I want to start with Scripture this morning, and then I'm going to open the curtains to your soul. So follow along on the screen. We're going to do some Scripture with the story, then we're coming to you, okay? We're going to start with Numbers. Miriam and Aaron belonged to the began to talk uh, against Moses because of his Cushite wife. Now, does that ever happen in your family? Somebody marry somebody that somebody doesn't like? That doesn't happen in families, does it? Okay? No, never. Miriam and Aaron, this is Moses' brother and sister, began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. Now, this is his second wife, Zipporah. First wife was Zipporah. This is the second wife. She's actually an Ethiopian. There may have been some racism going on here. We don't know. For he had married a Cushite, and she was from Ethiopia. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this, and God didn't like this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting. In other words, we're going to have a come-to-God meeting, Okay. We're going, to, we're going to talk about this, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance of the tent, and he summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. And with Moses, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. Now, that's an amazing verse of Scripture right there. Never been a prophet like this in all of Israel. With Moses, more humble, I speak to him face to face. Listen to what Deuteronomy then says. It says, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now, let's open up to your soul for just a minute. Because when I read about this kind of a man, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not there yet. Anybody else in the room like that? I look at this and I go, wow, he's like over here. I'm way down here on the food chain. How in the world could I ever arise to that? Moses is amazing. God spoke to Moses face to face. Says he was the most humble man in the entire land. And, and there's never been a prophet like this. Now, when you look at that level of spirituality, does that frustrate you? Sometimes it does me. Does it overwhelm you? Sometimes it does me. Does it discourage you? Sometimes it does me. Let's talk about you for just a minute. Because you see, today, what I want to do is I want to build spiritual success. Because I know if you succeed spiritually, everything else in your life generally falls into place. And the, and the inverse is also true. If you do not have success spiritually, eventually the other components of your life will unravel. So here's the goal this morning. How do we increase your spiritual successes? And how do we de- decrease the spiritual failure in your life? Well, let's talk about that. Anybody in the room ever heard of traffo data? Now, don't raise your hand too quickly. Traffle data was back in the late 1970s, early 1980s, and traffle data was the first kind of technology that was going to help sheriff's departments, police officers, and fire departments, and it would take all this traffic information and relay this quickly to the sheriff's department. It was a great idea. The reason you've never heard of it is because it just didn't work. Great idea. 
But you've heard of the founders, Paul Allen and Bill Gates. And it was their first attempt at being entrepreneurs, and they failed miserably and lost an incredible amount of money. Here's what Bill Gates said. Even though Traffle Data wasn't a roaring success, it, it didn't, Bill, you're over-exaggerating, it didn't succeed at all. Nobody bought it. It was seminal in preparing us to make Microsoft's first production a few years later. So I'm not as humble as Moses. I'm not able to talk to God face-to-face quite like Moses. I'm not where Moses is spiritually. Where are you spiritually, and where can you get to? That's our goal today, is for you to move spiritually in your life. Now, either he was the, on the greatest high school roster of all times, or his high school coach made one of the greatest mistakes in cutting Michael Jordan from his high school basketball team. Here's a guy who won six championships and five MVPs. But what I want you to catch today is what he talks about failure. Listen to what he says. I've missed more than 9,000 shots. I've lost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I have been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I have missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Michael Jordan. Now, here's the point about this morning. The fight in your life is won or lost when you get back up more times than when you get knocked down. We're going to say that out loud together. Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Here we go. The fight is won or lost when you get back up more times than you were knocked down. All the ladies in the room, here we go. The fight is won or lost when you get back up more times than when you were knocked down. Men, here we go. The fight is won or lost when you get back up more times than when you were knocked down. Now, these guys were not failures, Michael Jordan and Bill Gates and Paul Allen, but they failed. Just because you and I fail spiritually, we have a dry spill period with our prayer life, we have a dry period maybe with our scriptures, maybe we have a little bit of, that doesn't make us failures. And my goal today is to help you to get back up. And when you get back up, things begin to fall in place in your life. And when you stay down, everything begins to unravel. So again, when I look at Moses and I see that there was never a prophet like him in all of Israel, and I'm like way back over here, like, you know, I'm with you, we're over here somewhere. That's such a tall order. But I want you to see today that Moses didn't start off as well as maybe you think he did. So how did Moses get to become this great spiritual giant in his life? Well, let's talk about this for just a couple minutes. Here we go. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian being a Hebrew and one of his own people. Looking this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian. Here we got this great prophet who murdered somebody, and he hid him in the sand. The next day he went out, and he saw the two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? You can hear that, can't you? Sounds like something you would say. Who made you king for the day? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid, and he thought, what I have done must have become known. And so what Moses then does is he flees. Moses flees, and he runs to the land of Midian, which is a long ways away, 
And in the land of Midian, he's at a well, and there he meets about seven different daughters of a guy named Ruel. And Ruel ended up giving him one of the daughters as his wife called Zipporah. And for the next 40 years, from age 40 to age 80, Moses is bored out of his life. You feel like a failure? Talk to Moses in those 40 years. You were destined to become the next Pharaoh. You were skilled, you were educated, you had all the special forces training, and now you're out with a bunch of sheep wandering around trying to hide from every Egyptian army that might come to you. He was bored out of his mind. So 40 years now goes by. And the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He's now 80 years old. To the home of the, where the home of these Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, Jebusites. You ever heard me say the ites? That's why, okay? That's a mouthful right there. I always talk about the ites. We think there's termites too, but these are the ites that live there in the land. So this is where the Israelites are going to go into the ites land and basically take it over. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. 400 years of slavery, 400 years of oppression has taken place. And God's like, this is enough. So Moses, I'm now asking you to go. Remember the burning bush thing? The bush was on fire. Moses went over to the bush. The bush didn't burn up. What was exciting was not that the bush was on fire. What was amazing was the bush didn't burn up. Spontaneous combustions took place all the time out there in the desert. But this bush just kept burning and burning and burning. So he goes over to look at it. And God says to him these words. So now go, Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now keep in mind, this is the greatest prophet of all times. Keep in mind, this is who God spoke to face to face. Keep in mind, there's never been another prophet in all of Israel like this. So how's his response? Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I, poor pitiful me? I've been out here for 40 years. I've been taking care of the sheep. Zipporah is a good woman. I got a couple sons. Raul's a good man. But who am I to go do this? If you ever think about where you are today, it's not where God has in store for you to be tomorrow. And the fight for your spiritual destiny is always won or lost when you get back up more times than you get knocked down. Who in this room has not gotten knocked down? Who in this room has not failed spiritually? Who in this room has not made the same mistakes over and over and over again? Who in this room has been embarrassed? God, I'm embarrassed. No, I'm humiliated coming to you over the same issue 500 times. Everybody in the room can relate to that. Everybody in the room. But the fight, it's won or lost by how many times you get back up when you have been knocked down. I love this about Moses. What a chump right now, okay? He's a chump right now. So God's going to tell him how he's going to do this. I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. That's going to be a great sign. 
Moses said to God, well, no, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is a good idea. I know you're God, Jehovah, created the heavens and the earth. I know you spoke in the billions. Of, but but I, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, well, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And Moses is thinking, you know, by the way, it's been about 400 years since you've really done anything, which is absolutely true. And they asked me, what is his name? In other words, where have you been? And then they shall, then, then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, well, this is my name. This is who I am. I am who I am. And you see, it doesn't matter how many times you failed. It doesn't matter how many times you sinned. It doesn't matter how many times you struggled. It doesn't matter how many times you're on the edge about to crean off the mountain. I am is in your life. I am has come to you. I am is going to change you. And remember when I said God's glory's on the line? God's glory is always on the line to transform you and to change you. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. In other words, the Egyptians are going to give you the gold and silver and the earrings and bracelets they have on them. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and your daughters. In other words, Moses, I got you. I got you covered. I'm going to take care of you completely. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. All right? So far, so good. Moses answered, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. What if they do not believe me? Or do not listen to me. Now, this is funny if this weren't your life. This would be funny if it wasn't you coming back to God again saying, I need help with my prayer life. I need help with the scriptures. I need help with giving. I need help with forgiving. I need help with service. I need help with my attitude. I need help with my health. I need, it, this would be funny, but everybody in the room can relate to this because this is us. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? And then they say, the Lord, the Lord didn't appear to you. And Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, but, but I know you're in all this, but, but please, please send somebody else. Wow. Isn't that you and me? Lord, send somebody else to my neighbor. Send somebody else into my workplace. Send somebody else to invite her to church. Send some, Lord, I, send somebody else to talk to Uncle so-and-so in the family about. Send, send somebody else. Lord, please, send somebody else. But you see, the fight is always won or lost when you get back up more times than when you are knocked down. And I'm talking to people in this room who get knocked down. And we live in the real world. We have real issues, real temptations, real problems, real, real issues going on all around us. And it's a constant struggle for us spiritually. Now, I'll just tell you, I'll just confess straight up. My spiritual life, I wish it were like, you know, linear and just up and to the right. But, but my spiritual life is probably a little bit like yours. It's two steps forward. And then sometimes it's a half a step or maybe even a step backwards. Can anybody relate in the room or should somebody else be your preacher? It's how we are. But the fight is won or lost as we, what? We get back up. So when we look at Moses at the end of his life, and we see what they say about him, we think, my, he must have been just a great man this whole time. No, it, the story actually gets worse. I'm going to read you the next part of the story. 
When Moses approached the camp, now this is now they've crossed over the, the river. They've, they've, they're out of the Red Sea. When Moses approached the camp and he saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. Remember it said how humble he was? Remember it said there was never another prophet? Moses got so mad and so angry on many different occasions. He had an anger issue. Anybody in the room have an anger issue? I won't look. His anger burned, and he threw down the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. Oh, my goodness. Now, look at the next section. What he's getting ready to do now disqualifies him from going into the promised land. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to the rock, speak to the rock. Say that with me. Speak to the rock. Say it again. Speak to the rock. It's not what he does. He's supposed to what? Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. It's never a great way to start off a speech that tries to pull people together. Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water? Must we? Whoa. Must we? Wait, wait, wait a minute. We just took God's glory. Must Aaron and I, must my sister and brother, must we do this for you? Must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, and he, he spoke to the rock. What does it say? He struck the rock twice with his staff. Moses had an anger issue. Moses lost his cool more than once. You ever get mad? You ever throw anything? You ever say anything? Don't confess it in church. You've already had communion. Just look straight ahead. Don't even blink. Okay? Just keep looking straight ahead and go, not me, it's her. You know. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I will give to them. I'm telling you, he never gave up. He never quit. It never broke him. God kept pulling him. God kept teasing him. Teasing him is coming forward. God kept pulling him forward. And in your life, spiritually, If you will keep growing spiritually, the other components of your life will fall into place. If you do not keep growing spiritually, the other components of your life will not stay in place. And the fight, it's always won or lost. But how many times you get back up more than you were knocked down? Well, remember what it says about him? It says, since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. To Pharaoh and to all his officials in his whole land, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did. So there's hope for you, and there's hope for me. At the end of his life, it says all these incredible great, great things about him, but the process of his life, he had a lot of issues. He had a lot of challenges. There were a lot of things about Moses' personal life where he himself had to grow in his own personal relationship. So now if you've got your app or you want to look at your app later on this week, go to your app, and I want to give you five different things that Moses did right. There were five things that moved Moses from this part of his spiritual life to where he was so humble, where he was a great prophet, and where God spoke to him face to face. So what did Moses do? What did Moses do that you and I can do? Well, first of all, let's not, so the question is, is, how did Moses turn the corner? So the goal now is to what? Increase your spiritual successes and to decrease your spiritual failures. We always in church want to increase our spiritual successes. What did Moses do right? He got some training. 
Now, when you think about this, this is exactly how you grow in your spiritual life. If you don't know how to pray, you surround yourself with people who know how to pray. If you don't know the Scriptures, you surround yourself with people who know the Bible. If you don't know how to be generous and give, you surround yourself with people who are generous and giving. If you don't know how to be forgiving, you surround yourself with people who've got stories who talk about how they had to forgive him or how they had to forgive her or how they had to forgive mom and dad. You, you always get some training. And, and isn't that so true in the military world? I mean, the reason these guys can do what they do and these women can do what they do is because of their training. What makes us think spiritually that we shouldn't get some training? So, so we come to church. We have worship services. We have connect groups. We have apps, Bible apps. We encourage you to get some training. This is what Moses did. He got some incredible training. Moses also did some other things. He went when he didn't want to go. You ever been embarrassed to go someplace? You ever been afraid to like have this conversation? He, he went when he, he did not want to go but he did it anyway. You ever wake up and, and go, you know what? I really don't want to go to church this morning. You ever don't, of course not Harborside, but that's, that's, that's when you went somewhere else, right? Um, you, you wake up and you go, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't want to pray. I don't want to read. I don't, I don't want to be godly today. And, and so you learn as you mature in life that you, you, you go to places even and you do things even when you don't want to, which is really the next one. He went where he didn't want to go. And sometimes we have to go where we really don't want to go. Maybe we do need to go to AA. Maybe we do need to go to counseling. Maybe we do need to join a connect group. Maybe we do need to go to a beach baptism and get baptized. Maybe we do need to join you know, like a prayer group, a women's group, a men's group, a Bible. He, he always went where he didn't want to go. Notice that life, well, we'll come to that. He did what he didn't want to do. And this is what made Moses a great spiritual leader. Great spiritual people are always doing these four things. They're doing things even when they may not necessarily want to do them. And then lastly, he did this. He realized his story wasn't about him. And that's a big day. That's a really big day in your life when you realize that life is not about you. Have you figured that out yet? Have you figured out how short life is? It's short. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And Moses then put those different components into place into his life. Okay. I want you just to focus on those and think about those for a while. Um, I want to say some things about Veterans Day and about our country that fit really well with, with this topic today about the fight is won or lost, not by uh, how many times you're down, but how many times you, you get back up. I, I realized that the older I get, the more I, re- I, I really didn't know what was going on. And from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful for our veterans. I'm, I'm incredibly grateful because I realized as a little boy, I slept soundly in a bed as a little boy in Indianapolis, Indiana, every night, never even thinking about national security, ne- never even growing up understanding that our world was at a, a, a very unsafe place. And I realize now that there were men in the, and women in the water, in the Navy, and there were men and women in the air, in airplanes, and there were men and women on the ground in the Army, and there were men and women in the Coast Guard. 
And, and I kind of I go through, you know, Vietnam, and I'm just a little boy in Vietnam, and, and still I don't really get it. Because even in Vietnam, I'm, I'm eight, nine years old, and one of my friends lost the brother, and I, I was there at the house when the news came, and that was kind of traumatic. But, but it still, it, it, it really didn't register with me, our national security. Erica, our oldest, was two, and our son, Ethan, that leads worship up here sometimes, Ethan was a month old when we had Desert Storm in, in 1991, and that, that kind of caught my attention. And so I, I realize that we have people who protect us. We have people who defend us. We have people that have given their lives and are giving their lives and will give their lives and will serve seasons of their life so that we can have incredible protection. And, and so I, I, about 11 years ago, one of my friends at our church here, um, I got to know, and he's still here, and he, he's a Navy SEAL. He's a retired Navy SEAL. And I'll never forget the conversation that we had out in the lobby. I met him for the first time. I said, how are you? And he said, I'm a SEAL. You think I'm not jacked up? And I went, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I just came back and just, you know, got, and, I, and you could just see the lot was going on. And over the last 11 years, what, what's been so impressive to me about his life is I've watched him get back up. It's been a tremendous fight. But what this man would tell you is God has been with me every step of the way. He's been married for 17 years, but it's been a tumultuous marriage up and down, and he would tell you that God has restored them, and and he and his wife both have had to get back up, get back up, get back up more times, and they're doing that than they were knocked down emotionally, and he told me about some of the different situations and the nightmares and the sweats constantly in his life, and so I I asked him, I said, well, can you tell me about some of your your missions? I, I said, because you had to have been knocked, I called him yesterday, I said, tell me, because you had to have been knocked down. And, and he said, well, he said, yeah, I, I jumped out of a, a helicopter at night, we're on this mission, and, and he said, you're not going to believe this, but he said, I landed on a cactus. And he said, I had 200 three-inch needles in my legs and rear end and all over me, and it was a two-day mission, and he said, uh, I had three-inch needles in me, pinned in me for, three, for two days. And he said a corpsman, after the mission was over, took out 200 three-inch needles. And he said the whole time I was saying to myself, this won't break me, this won't break me, this won't break me, this won't break me. He said, but the most difficult part of my life was really Hell Week. And Hell Week started on Sunday, and he said, now it's Thursday night, and they've been tortured and beat up and training all week long. And he said Thursday night, been awake the entire week. He now has 45 minutes to an hour to just take a shower, take a break, and he's got 10 more hours to go, and he'll make it. Most of his class has already given up, but he's now in the, the elite, the, the minority, and he's got 45 minutes. Collect call to his mother. Now, for those of you that are young in the room, you know, back in the day... <laughs> We had collect calls, okay? So I know you don't get that, all right? Just ask somebody old, and they'll tell you what a collect call is, okay? But he calls his mother. It's, it's 11 p.m. In where he is in, in California, but it's 2 a.m. where his mother is. She accepts the call, and he, barely, 
with, a, with an inaudible voice, he keeps saying to his mother, this won't break me. This won't break me. This won't break me. This won't break me. And his mother just cried, and for the next 10 hours, she said she just prayed. Just prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and my friend, he, he, he made it. And it was a SEAL, and he goes to our church. They go to third service, and he was in a SEAL trainer. And now he also trains young men and young women who want to go into the SEAL training here in, in Tampa Bay area. And he's just an incredible guy. He's on our security team, too, which doesn't hurt anything, you know. That's, that's kind of cool to have him on our security team. But, but I love how he would say this. It was God who always gave me the strength. It was God who helped me when I got knocked down, knocked personally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. He said it was always God who gave me the strength. Now, I love this about Jesus because for three years, Jesus lived on this earth. He gave up his glory. He came down here. He became a man. And even though they stripped him and flogged him and scourged him, this won't break me. Even though they hung a crown of thorns on his head, this won't break me. Even though they put spikes through his hands, spikes through his feet, this won't break me. And Jesus hung on that cross six hours for all the sins of the world, and he gave his life for you and for me. And then he promised us the power of the Holy Spirit that would live inside of us. So I don't know where you are today, but I know where you can go. I don't know who you are today, but I know who you can become. Because here's a guy who said, no, not me. Ask somebody else. I got anger issues. There's no way. I'm washed up. I'm done. Who the Bible says became the greatest prophet in all time. I don't know who you are, but I know who you can become. I don't know where you are, but I know where you can go. And the fight, it is always won or lost by how many times you get back up after you've been knocked down. And Jesus Christ has given his life for you. Let's stand. Let's give him glory. Let's give him praise. Let's give him honor today, our lives. Jesus. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, why not? He's the King of kings. He gave his life for you. I'm going to ask you today, if you need a prayer partner, to pray for you and pray over you about where you are, but where you want to go. This is a week that I'm going to ask you to be thinking about not where you are, but where should I be? Not where you are, but where could I be? Not where you are, but where am I going to be? Will you join me in prayer today? Our gracious, our kind, our heavenly Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, we praise you today. It didn't break you. The power of sin never broke you. And you won that fight. You won that victory. And we praise you today in the King of kings and the Lord of lords' names we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.